And I think I had, had like ah. some bad gas or something. <laughs> well, no, if I you go over five, I already, if you, oh, if you, know you go I over already, five seconds, I hit go live already. Oh, so we're live. We're live. <laughs> right, Sorry. Well, give us. Well, this is a normal um, show then for us because <laughs> we're just terrible at this professionalism stuff. Did you go anyway, live guys? We're end? live. Okay, yeah, we're live. We are live on all platforms right now. Guys, WrestleMania 20 was known basically for for two big things. One of them, of course, was Chris Benoit finally becoming a world champion in WWE. And the second one was how Brock Lesnar wanted to leave the company. And Goldberg wanted to leave the company. And the fans got into this that same weekend and completely hijacked their match. Now, 16 years later, coming into WrestleMania, Goldberg is your Universal Champion. Brock Lesnar is your WWE Champion. At... WrestleMania 25, five years later, coming into the show, The Miz and John Morrison were the SmackDown Tag Team Champions. They faced Carlito and Primo, oh, excuse me, no, that's right, Carlito and Primo, in a unification match, which they lost. Now, 11 years later, WrestleMania 36, the Miz and John Morrison are coming into WrestleMania as the SmackDown Tag Team Champions. Are they facing Primo and Epico? Boy, wouldn't that be something. Guys, I do this rant at least once a quarter. And I'm not going to tell you what to like in pro wrestling. But I am going to tell you that there's more out there to watch than WWE. You don't have to watch... The old timers show. You don't have to watch the things that never changes. You don't have to watch the organization that doesn't trust you to buy into the new stars and enjoy great pro wrestling. There's a reason Jeff and I don't watch that shit anymore except for the big events. Yeah, we'll be watching WrestleMania. Yeah, we watch the Royal Rumble. But by and large, that company is dead to us. And. The reason why, and the reason why we're on Tuesdays now instead of Mondays, happened this weekend. Not only did AEW put on their first pay-per-view of the year, featuring John Moxley versus Chris Jericho, featuring the match of the year of the Young Bucks versus Kenny Omega and Hangman Page. Eh. Not only did we get a great character performance by Darby Allen and MJF getting his revenge on that bastard Cody Rhodes. But we also got two outstanding Ring of Honor shows from the company that is back from the goddamn dead. Jeff, what do you got? Well, first of all, I'm Jeff. 
He's Zan, man. He forgot that again. Secondly, um, guys, we're coming to you live on multitude of platforms, live on Spreaker.com. Uh, we're also on LordsOfPainRadio.net and our own YouTube channel, YouTube.com uh, slash Kingdom of Honor. If you're listening to us on YouTube, hit the like button, subscribe button, ring the notification bell. It, we do appreciate it because it does help us out in the long run. Secondly, um, just on a side note, programming, because we are not even close to professionals and you are sounding a little bit echoey with your new headphones. Just, I don't know if you have to adjust anything or not, but um, I will adjust. I'm actually, I'm actually really, really glad that we have moved to Tuesday nights because, like you said, and Shane and I feel the same, and it's not so much because they don't occasionally put on good wrestling shows. It's not because they don't have the talent that can do what needs to be done. And uh, by God, they have some of the best talent in the world. AJ Styles is still one of my favorite wrestlers of all time. And every time I get a chance to actually see him, I'm in awe at what he does. He's, what, 42, 43? And he still blows me away with what he does. Seth Rollins at times, can be the best wrestler in the world. You know, you got other guys, especially on the NXT end. The problem is is their production value, their nonsensical storylines, their the fact that they push agendas that necessarily make set sense or resonate with the audiences. That's the reason why I don't watch that product, and that's why I'm glad we're on um, Tuesday nights as opposed to Monday nights because, let's face it, they're still a juggernaut. They are still the flag bearers, and they're what when people think of wrestling, they think of WWE. So a lot of people are watching Raw, and we don't discuss Raw. It's nice to be on opposite of Raw because we can talk about the things that really matter, which is AEW that put on a hell of a show, much better than I thought they were going to, and Ring of Honor that, like you said, is back from the dead. We were in January after watching Final Battle. In December, I mean, after watching Final Battle, ready to cancel our subscriptions. After this weekend's performance by them, I'm renewing. <laughs> There's no way I'm not going to renew after this. It's a hell of a two-day show. You back with us, Shane? Or did we lose you completely? All right, there you are. Yep, I got you now. Well, we've got you on we've got you on YouTube, so and we'll have you on Patreon later. Oh, good. Well, if it doesn't work, uh, we can always, we can, if we need to, we can always download you from Patreon and YouTube. So, and put, and bring the show up later. If there's, nope, you're fine for me. You're back to the way you were. Yep. and again we are not professionals we don't know what we're doing we just like to talk about wrestling so
We'll say fuck it, just go with it. There it goes. Now it's showing up. You know, and I'm a little disappointed because you told me to make sure that we weren't PG rated for your rant. And there was nothing in your rant. Oh, not for my rant necessarily. I, w- I was going to oh, discuss just... something that happened, but, but there's definitely something that happened on Revolution that I can't discuss without using curse words. So, yeah. I f- and, and well, it's a good thing I went non-PG today. I guess so. Um, you know, we, a lot of times we, we want to get the negative out of the way. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this. I hated Chris Jericho's entrance at Revolution. At first, I was like, yeah, choir, really don't care. That's really dumb. And then I started thinking about it while they were doing it, and I was like, oh, you know what? Actually, this is really smart, because this way, the audience can't really sing along with his entrance. And since oh, he's supposed to but be a they heel, did. And since he's supposed to be a heel, that's going to kind of throw them up. You know, he's not going to get that, that kind of pop. But then what did he do? What did they do right after the choir was done singing? They played started his damn entrance again. What the they hell? They started it from the beginning. I caught that. I thought MC that too. With a special entrance. Yeah. <laughs> I, I thought I saw that too. And and I was thinking the whole time the choir's singing, okay, when's he going to make his entrance? When's he going to make his, his entrance? Then they quit and his start music started over from scratch. I'm like, what was the point? You guys just paid probably $100,000 for this choir, and they didn't matter. They literally didn't matter. All they did was fill time. You know, unless it was a charity thing where, you know, where they were giving to a church or something like that, you know, um, you know, maybe maybe to a children's charity that, that the choir sponsors or something. Yeah, it was a bad look. I, I will but say I this. The, whoever, whoever that – um, chick was that was singing the lead man she's got some pipes just amazing i i i actually was buying into the choir singing because i i enjoyed her vocals so much um but it was all for not once they started the actual theme yeah pretty terrible but um, man she's got some pipes congratulations to her by the way just here's a mini clap. Yes, I I enjoyed, I enjoyed the choir's performance. I thought whoever was singing that lead was just absolutely amazing. And since we're talking about that match, let's talk about. We have to. Um, oh. You and I were pretty adamant last Tuesday that and when and Wednesday I think both actually that John Moxley should not leave as the AEW World Champion. But I got to tell you, after the way the announcers were selling it, where they were saying, you know, welcome to the ride, climb on board, um, it's going to be fun, and hearing John Moxley talk about it, I'm kind of on board. Um, I feel like this could be an, not, not another version of Steve Austin during the Attitude Era, but certainly along those same lines. And I'm looking forward to see I'm, – and I'm and – I'm, I shouldn't say I'm fully on board, but I'm definitely have an open mind to see if they're able to entertain me the way that Austin did during that, you know, 96 to 98 time frame. I don't think they will because I don't think he has the kind of antithesis that Austin had. Austin was fighting against the corporation, and I don't see that out of Moxley right now. 
I there was a time when he was when he was going into you know Tony Khan's office after AEW went off the air and you know arguing with him about why am I being put on a dark show and all that stuff. But the reality is, he's not fighting against Tony Khan. He's not the anti-hero that everybody wanted. He is the hero that everyone wanted, and I'm at mixed. I meant mix first of all the match, and we'll get to that in a second. But as far as the outcome, when Jericho won it, that it was the smart move to put it on Jericho because he brought the name value. But Jericho should have dropped it, you know, two months, maybe three months later. Jericho held that title for six months. Mm-hmm. And that was a little bit too long. I'm thinking, you know, we I, I I personally think he should have dropped it a little bit sooner. I just don't think right now is the right time to drop it simply because I think there was more to this story between him and Moxley. I think there was too. Um, there was a hero's journey, but there, but it could have been longer, especially with a cheap way for Jericho to, to leave with the championship, like, you know, getting, getting disqualified, getting counted out. Um, some kind of a no contest, I think would have been, would have been fine. And actually, you know, one thing I mentioned on Wednesday was I was I just I don't like the look of the first two AEW World Champions being former WWE World Champions. You know, um, especially because they've got the name value of being. I mean, they there are still people that refer to Moxley as Dean Ambrose. Chris Jericho, you know, that's, you know, it's not his real name, but that's the name that he goes by. So, it, and he has for Jesus 25 years. So it's a little bit different. Had it been, you know, um, somebody else from the WWE roster, maybe like a Brody Lee or someone like that, it wouldn't have made the same impact that it did now. Well, Brody Lee wasn't, so, wasn't a, was never a WWE world champion either. No, and that's what I'm saying. If it had been an ex-WWE guy like Brody Lee who had come in and beat Jericho, that would have been a whole different story than being Moxley, who was WWE champion, who was the focal point of WWE programming for, well, Jesus, ever since Jericho left. Um, Also, you know, I, I think that there was more interesting stories to be told than John Moxley beating Chris Jericho. There was more interest. I think the I think the most interesting story, honestly, and you're probably gonna you're gonna laugh when I say this, but considering the kind of bond that they've shown over the last few weeks, I think the more interesting story would have been if Moxley couldn't beat Jericho and then Darby Allen did beat Jericho. I, I think it's too early for I'm not gonna laugh at that because I think I, I see where you're going and I, I like that kind of thinking, but I think Darby Allen as champion right now would do more harm than good because it would be a lot like um, throwing the belt on, uh, I hate to say this, but Tessa Blanchard. Um, It would just take away from everything they've built up to this point. Does that make sense? I I just don't think Darby Allen is ready. I just don't think Darby Allen is ready for that spotlight and ready to carry the company. Not taking anything away from Tessa and what she accomplished, I just don't think that Tessa is the right person to carry the company, just like I don't think Darby Allen would be. Now, Darby Allen in six months 
that could be a completely different story. But Darby Allen right now, he hasn't been built to that to that level yet. And and I'm not saying that for just him. I'm saying that for Adam Page. I don't think would have been there. I don't think Guevara would have been there. I don't think you know. There's a handful of people that can be in that main event spot if given the right build, but they're just not there yet. Right. And I mean, Darby Allen to me is that guy. But if you take that point of view, then Moxley is one of the only is one of only three guys that really could have taken the title from from Jericho. Yeah, I agree. And that's one of their main problems right now is that they've got a handful of guys that are main event quality and then the rest are mid carters trying to build up to that status. Right. I mean I mean you could you could possibly say there's a handful. I think there's a total of four. Um and I say that because because Cody can't wrestle for the championship. Well, yeah, and storyline. There's storyline. So then there'd be a, a there'd be a, a solid handful. A handful, but, right? But uh, but right now I think there's four unless you're going to include Jake Hager in there, and Jake Hager, of course, is is one of Jericho's guys anyway. So. I mean, if you look at it, Pack, Moxley, um, Cody, uh, Jericho, so, and and who else? It's you're like those you're, four. You're forgetting Kenny. Did I, I thought I said Kenny. No, you said Pack, Moxley. Moxley, Jericho, Kenny. Okay, you're right. I didn't say Kenny, but. And Kenny is who you, is who you missed. But then there's also. Yeah. You know, Hager's already a former world champion, so I think you'd have to include him in there. You would have to, but at the same point. I mean, and then. But it seems like right now we've got three or four top contenders and then the rest are just uh they're just there they're kind of maybe upper mid carters you could easily work them in but right now the biggest reason for jericho to lose the belt is because there's only two top faces and he beat one and lost to the other you know, so now you've got a good six-month run out of Moxley because he can have the rematch against Jericho and then face Pac. Can I correct you? And hopefully, sure. hopefully, in another six months, they'll be able to build up another top contender for that belt. Yeah, there's three top faces, and he's beaten two of them. Right, three. Oh, yeah, Kenny. He hasn't beat. Well, he beat Kenny to get the chance to win the belt. Right. That's that's what I mean. He beat, he beat Kenny. And then he, and, you know, the other he beat Cody. That, that they were building up for months. He beat him too cleanly. And yep. Uh, and the then Scorpio he. Sky. Well, and he also he's beat, beat Cody. Scorpio Sky. He's beaten Darby Allen. He's beaten Cody. Um, but as far as as far as the legitimate main eventers, he beat Kenny to get the spot to win the title in the first place. Then he beat Page. He beat Cody. So the only other guy that's believable as a champion is Moxley. On the face side, outside of Moxley, there's Pac. So now we've got Moxley as the champion. Now we've got, you know, in three months he faces Jericho for the rematch, and then he faces Pac, and then he faces Pac. You know, we're six months out. Maybe in six months they can build up another guy to come in there and take that belt. If he faces right now in, in three months, I'll, you know, that'll be fine for me. But if, but if you, but if he faces him again in like two weeks on dynamite or something, that's going to be a bit over, a bit of overkill. You know, I think it should, no, they've think, got it. You know, I think Jericho, should, I think Jericho should start just sending his minions at him first. Right. So I mean, right. you know, 
you know, get Sammy a shot, get Jake a shot, um, so on and so forth. The only thing I didn't like, and I mean, AEW, this entire revolution was kind of plotting. It reminded me more of an NJPW show because none of the matches were that high-flying caliber that we expect out of these types of shows. Um, it seemed like every match just kind of took its time. It told its story. It, it did what it needed to do. Mm-hmm. And then the main event was was no different. And but, I totally lost that, my train of thought. Isn't that what we want from AEW, though? I mean, I mean... We, you and I kind of kind of thought coming in that AEW we were going to kind of get a, get a American version of New Japan with the AEW, and we haven't really gotten that so far. But this pay per view, like you said, was a lot like that. It was the closest to it. I mean, I think it dropped the ball on Darby versus um, Sammy. I think that could have been. I th- I think if they would have sprinkled in that fifteen minute brawl that they had before the actual match and sprinkled that in throughout the match instead would have resonated a little bit more i enjoyed it i thought it was great the entire performance but the match itself was terrible um but i think if they had taken maybe some wait, of that wait, outside wait, stuff that. We, we, you and i don't go that way you and i have talked about the entire presentation we, and we take the entire presentation in whole it was great so what do you mean oh yeah i i'm i'm taking was terrible the the match itself from bell to bell because the bell didn't start till fifteen minutes in. After think, the table I, I shot, after the, is, is, I think you were saying saying it was terrible was is quite a stretch. It yeah, wasn't. It wasn't you, as great you as could the be, rest you of could it, be. but it wasn't terrible. I I think if you look at the seven or eight minutes that they performed in the ring, mm-hmm. um, from bell to bell, wasn't what we expected. Um, I'm not, you're probably right. Saying it's terrible is probably a stretch. I mean, it had its moments. I really like Sammy, um, just attacking as soon as that bell rang. That was a nice, nice, um, way to play off of what had happened before. But I just felt, I felt like if they had taken all of that outside interference and all the, the table spots and the chair spots and all that stuff, and incorporated slightly into the match, like two minutes outside the ring, two minutes in, I think would have been a better overall performance. But if you're looking at bell to bell, that was a C match. Maybe a two star match. But I'm not not looking at those. But if you look at if you look at the if you look at the entire performance, it was maybe a four. I'm not gonna give that a five. Not a chance. No, it's probably I I would say it was probably like three point seven five. But still, right. Three. I mean, but but I mean, that's that's not bad for the second match on a card where you're still trying to build momentum. I mean, we're you're, we're not going to. I mean, you were probably coming in expecting them to completely steal the show. Um, and I don't. I just and they have the talent to do so. They do, but I don't think that was their job. You know, not everybody. No. You know, stealing the show, um, is not necessarily something that you should always do. You know no, you're right, and. And when you look at Wrestle Kingdom matches, you get a great performance out of Kota Ibushi and Will Ospreay, and that doesn't steal the show because it's not meant to. And that's kind of the way Sammy and Darby were. I just, I think that their match overall, from my perspective, would have made more sense and got a higher rating had the violence 
been sprinkled throughout as opposed to the violence taking up 15 minutes before the match. And I it, that that's just my I, personal that's just my personal feelings. And I think that when John Moxley and Juice Robinson did that, you should you shot all over it. Right, they did the exact same thing and I hated it. But they didn't because they 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 were they were wrestling outside when the match was actually going on. And then they, and then yeah, they but, back in the ring, and then they go back on the outside, and you absolutely hated it. So, so my, I, I, my I issue with that, that, I think, that you're, I think you've got like a very narrow window of where this stuff makes sense for you. A grudge match is a grudge match. Mm-hmm. And Moxley versus uh, Juice wasn't a grudge match. No, it was. But Sammy, Sam- we, just didn't, we didn't see the distance of the lead into it. If you, if you listen, to the, listen to the backstory of the announcers, is they had a grudge from back when they both worked for NXT. Right, I didn't, I didn't see that. So it, to me, it wasn't. So that's why I didn't like. Plus, I was also looking for something different from Moxley, not just craziness. Show don't tell, right? Kinda, yeah. yeah. Um, um, so let's talk about it, Matt, it, uh, Go ahead. And for me, I and I want to get back to the main event. the The biggest. Like I loved the match. I loved the overall per, uh, production of it. I loved the fact that Darby started the match and they went outside and the, that 6.30 through the table was amazing. The fact that Sammy attacked as soon as the bell rang and you know Darby was able to fight his way back. I loved the overall performance. I just th- to me, it was two separate situations, so I, I didn't necessarily love the match i didn't necessarily love the beforehand but when you put the two together it was amazing does that make sense yes um but i'm okay i'm also but i'm also going to just point out (coughs) if they had done it the way that you suggested then basically we've got we got a singles version of the tag team title match yeah and that's when you see that match happen later on it's a whole different issue right but my point is that that you know that made this one unique to the other stuff that was on the card. One thing I and I want to point out because I can sense us kind of moving on from it, but I felt like and maybe it's just me, but I felt like Moxley's reveal that he could see the whole time was a little too late into the match. I felt like he needed to do a little bit more after he revealed that he could see the whole time other than just go ahead and hit the paradigm. Oh, I feel exactly the same way. You know, I, I don't know what they, okay. I don't know if, if you, so they were running out of time or, or what the deal was, but he, but he did talk, he did talk for, you know, longer than I think they expected at the end of it too. But no, I, I feel like he should have done almost like a roosh. You know, I think he, I felt like he right. should have thrown Jericho out of the ring, thrown him into the barricade a few times, thrown him through the table. Just, just, just kicked his ass completely. After he revealed that he could see. Right after, right after he revealed that he could see. Okay. He should, he should, he should have just thrown the eye patch down and then gotten completely to town on Jericho, not just kicked him and and hit the paradigm shift. Right. I mean, his whole, the way that he kind of missed those spots and ducked and whatever, it didn't make sense because his supposed one good eye was still covered. You know, so he couldn't see, he couldn't see out of one eye. His other good eye was still covered, but yet he's ducking and dodging all these moves. And then he reveals, Hey, I can actually see out of this eye. Well, who the fuck cares? It was covered. That doesn't make sense, John. 
And then he turns around, he kicks him, hits a paradigm shift, and and a and a match. I just felt like after his reveal, there should have been a little more violence out of him, and actually showing that okay, I can see greatly now, you know, and this is why I'm winning. Also, you know, without without us seeing more, then we have we kind of wonder like what was the point of that? Because, you know, mm-hmm. were you were you rope doping the smaller older guy? That makes no sense. <laughs> You know what I mean? Um, well, yeah, exactly. I mean, I mean, yeah, I mean, I mean, sure. I mean, it made it made Jericho like quote unquote like overconfident, but I mean, he also was fighting a got fighting against the entire inner circle, not just Chris Jericho. So wouldn't you want both well, guys to do that with? You know, it's, well, it just it to me it just didn't make sense. If you could see this whole time, why would you hide that? for long game that really didn't make sense because all you needed was one move to end the match and win the title. It just, it just didn't make sense to me. It it was that. And the fact that they really need to work on their, um, choreography a little bit more because there were a couple of times where they caught things on camera that we never should have seen. Like um, MJF coming out from under the ring where he was blading himself. And then uh, during the Moxley-Jericho match, Moxley beating on his cut to get it to bleed again. Mm-hmm. There was, there was yeah, also, and those are mine. Yeah, you know, and just like we talked about with Johnny Gargano versus, I'm, not, I'm sorry, not Johnny Gargano, Adam Cole versus Tommaso Ciampa, to me this one had a little bit too much of like an attitude era style match too um yes and, and not in a good way so like it was yes i it agree was slow, it was slow and plotting at times and too much i don't know they it, yeah there, there was just too much to it um they they, they over they I, they overbooked it a little bit but but really it's more like this like the pieces don't all fit together um, i agree one match that really surprised me and, and kind of made, made me a fan out of somebody I didn't get before I actually saw him in a singles match was Pack versus Orange Cassidy. Yeah, you know, I was going to say that one next. You know, you know, you and I like, you know, we, we've kind of been like, you know, I, I think I don't think we've quite gotten the, the Orange Cassidy character, um, and and that's just because you have you know you don't have much experience with him. I mean, I think we saw him in a battle royal at one of the shows WrestleMania weekend last year, um, but. We haven't actually seen him, you know, in a singles match, and then and then seeing how he kind of, you know, taunts his opponents into attacking him, and then he and then he's and then he like has bursts of energy was pretty damn cool. I I was gonna say this might have been, I, I, it wasn't the match of the night, but it was definitely one of the more entertaining matches because mm-hmm. it I. Mainly because I did not expect that. And it, it came right down to that beginning when they did their little wrist lock tie-up thing. And he flipped um, Pack over. And Pack sold it like a champ. You know, he was he sold it like, uh, you know, he was all in on this. And this was one of the better performances out of Pack. So, so, I mean, I this it's one of those few matches... Where everything about it, I just absolutely loved. Yeah, I think it came out of nowhere for us. I think, <laughs> and that you know, and, and and you know, I've never seen a guy counter a hip lock into an arm drag without without being able without his hands in his, you know, in his pockets. That was amazing. You're right. 
Yeah, yeah. To see the the him do the hip throw with his hands in his pockets, just using his elbow. You know, everything about that was great. Yeah. I just, I, I absolutely loved it. Yeah, one yeah, of my favorites. Know, and you know, it, it um, it was a little sad for me that the role of Ray Phoenix in this in this show was to come out and run interference for Pac, because here here well, we are, the, you know, one of the best wrestlers on the, on the planet, and he's out there doing a kick and he's out there maybe for a total of 45 seconds it just it didn't make sense i mean is there some kind of tie-in with pack and lucha brothers are they i think they've been a six-man tag team a couple of times but that's pretty much but are they are they friends are they now a new stable what's going on with them are they going to be because having that mid-card stable would actually be nice for the mid-card to see these guys kind of beat the shit out of everybody I guess we'll have to see you going forward if that's the case. But but yeah, it does. It was a little bit bizarre, definitely. And I and I you know I'm not aware of an issue between Lucha Brothers and Best Friends either. So you know, which made it even odder. Did I lose you? No, I'm still here. Sorry, I lost some. Um. Yeah, the. Uh, I, <laughs> I, I really hope there's something to come out of it because otherwise Lucha Brothers running out to get involved in the match and to take on a tag team they've never really faced is kind of a missed opportunity, I guess. So we'll have to see where that storyline goes from here. But I, 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 this, this, I hate to say it, but I think honestly – these two might have put on my favorite match of the night. Speaking, uh, well, it's not my favorite match of the night, but it's, it's probably my well, no. favorite. Um, yeah, I guess you're right because of the the tag match was still so good. Speaking of tag teams, what happened to the Dark Order match versus um, SCU? Was that on the pre-show or something? Because I didn't see the pre-show. Yeah, it was, and um, Christopher Daniels comes out dressed as the Exalted One then reveals himself and turns on the Dark Order. So he's not the Exalted One. Oh, interesting. Yeah, bad overbooking, basically, is what it amounted to. But you know, yesterday was March 2nd, and the day before that was March 1st, which was the last day Matt Hardy was under contract at WWE. So. Right. That's interesting. So, yeah. I don't know. It was kind of an odd... It, it was just done weird. I guess I, I I wasn't a fan of it to be honest. I don't think I would have been either. Um, let's see what else what else did we have on this card? We had we had a pretty darn good tag team or a pretty good darn good women's match. I thought you know uh, it was it was short, but you know I thought Riho versus I'm not Riho but uh, Nyla Rose versus Chris Atlander was pretty good. Yeah, it was, and I. This was the Chris Statlander I like. Not that what we saw in, uh, in Dynamite a couple of weeks ago where she was booping everybody and just weird. <laughs> I actually... That's a, that's a funny term. <laughs> well, that's what she was doing. I, and, I know, um, funny, though. She, uh, I, 
she was sloppy at times, but a lot of that's because she's only really been a pro wrestler for a couple of years. I mean, we t- we badmouth Brit all the time for it, but the reality is is she's only a couple of years in, and so is Chris Statlander. And Chris Statlander seems to be light years ahead of Britt Baker or Britt Green or Chelsea Baker, whatever we're calling her. Um, well, you call her whatever, whatever you want. I'm going to call her Chelsea Baker, though. Okay. Um, it, it was sloppy at times. There were a couple times where she felt where it felt like they were moving in slow motion. But the reality is this was a really good match with two really good performers in it. And as much as I want to hate on the um, Galaxy's Greatest Wrestler type thing, I was not mad at this at all. And like you said, she's only been wrestling for three years. I think I was only been wrestling for about three years too, right? So I mean, you know, these, yeah. these, are, these are two very inexperienced women in a in a, in a division, you know that I that you know that has been um, growing. I think you know growing and you know not great but growing. Um, and I think they, I think they did a good job representing it. I thought it was really good. Um, you know and. and one of the best matches I think that they that they actually can put on right now. You know, I think Chris Atlander, as I've said before, is either the best or the second best woman in the women's in the women's division. I know you're I know you're going to say what about Allie? But Allie is a valet. She does not she has not wrestled in right. She doesn't like five months. Or she doesn't count anymore. Yeah, she doesn't count anymore. She's right. she's a valet. And as far as I can tell, for the last month, there's no there's no Nightmare Collective anymore either. So, you know. Nope. So, so you know. And Nyla's getting better. I mean, Nyla's getting better in, in you know quickly, I think. But but still, you know, to me, the best two women in that division are Chris Statlander and Karo Shida. So, um, so I, I think I think if next up we have we get Shida we get Shida versus Nyla Rose, I'll be very happy. Although it's although it'll probably be your your girl Big Swole. Yeah, oh Swole. dear God! Don't no. Ugh. I might boycott the entire show if that's what happens. <laughs> was there was was she also on the pre-show? Because I thought that, I thought she was supposed to have a match on this card. Too. No, there was there was only the um, from what I heard about the pre-show. I didn't actually watch it, but from what I heard, it was only SCU versus Dark Order. Oh, okay, I thought you watched it. Okay. No, um, no, I. And then Dustin versus I don't have happened. Which. I guess as far as a lead-in match goes, it wasn't bad. But it was a weird. I just, yeah, I feel like the wrong guy came out on top. I feel like it was a bad choice to lead the show. Wait, 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 wait. How many times have you complained on this show about a person having their first match and losing? And now, now Jack, Jake Hager has his first match and wins, and you're saying he should have lost. Every time, except for the fact that it literally, in the three grudge matches, two out of three lost. Two out of three that were supposed to get their wins, and it just happened to be both the Rhodes brothers, lost. Well, it just Well, it, Cody had to lose. Well, yeah, because he had been made up to be this untouchable force up until then. But I don't feel like Dustin should have lost. 
I mean, Cody, the way they built it up is we all felt like Cody was going to win this match just because of the way everything was built up. And they, they got us the swerve and they got us, you know, MJF winning, which was the nice swerve and probably the best thing they could have done. But I feel like one of the Rhodes brothers should have won their little feud. Why? Where do we go from here, though? Well, they both. If we're going long term, so, so, they, so they both have a, they both have a longer hero's journey to do. Like we both feel they should have done with John Moxley. So I so I don't see why you're saying that they, you know that they that they one of them had to win or should have won. I, to me, I just felt like one of them should have won it. One of them should have gotten the better of their little feud. Well, Darby Allen got the better of his feud. Which I didn't mind, to be honest with you. As much I, as I... I, mean, I, I, just, I you know, right, right, I mean, but if we look at it logically, right? You know, the, the blood feuds coming in were Darby Allen versus Sammy Guevara. John Moxley versus Chris Jericho was for the title, but it was also a blood feud. And then the two Rose feuds. So, so you know, in two of them, the people got their revenge, and two of them, they didn't. That That's pretty much how life goes, is 50-50, right? I felt like the Cody, or I'm sorry, not Cody, MJF, and that one I didn't care about, but the it it felt to me like Darby, or oh my god, a Dustin Dustin versus um, Swagger should have gone to Dustin, just because of the the revenge factor. You know, you broke my arm, you destroyed my face. Uh, on the last episode of Dynamite and everything, I just to me it felt like that should have gone the other way. And I'm, I'm not saying I'm I'm upset about it. Great, I want to see these two again because they put on a hell of a match. And right now, I think feel like that's really the only type of opponent that Swagger can have. So I'm kind of okay with it. But at the same time, it would have been nice to see him win the feud because it just was time for that feud to be done. Well, let me ask you. I'm going to ask you the same question you asked me. So if Dustin beats Swagger, then where do we then where do we go from there? You know, Dustin is the maybe I'm still caught up. Maybe I'm still caught up in the uh, in the fact that the beginning of AEW Dynamite was Adam Page against uh, Jake Swagger, Jack Swagger, Hagar, whatever the hell his name is. What? Um, remember when it was Adam Page fighting Hagar to the back all the time at the end of every Dynamite and um, probably the first two months of the of the show. I think, I think you're super exaggerating if that's the case because no, I do not remember it. No, no. That, that was, it was, the feud was actually, and we were wondering when we were going to get a Page versus Hagar showdown. showdown. That's, oh, that's and then right. all of a sudden, I would, Page, say, I, would say, I would say it was a couple of weeks, not a couple of months. But all of a sudden, Page quits the elite and he goes off on this other storyline, and that one just got dropped. That's true. But, I, but to me, I guess, you know. Hager beating the 50-year-old man 
and getting put over makes a lot more sense than the 50-year-old man getting one over on, on Hagar. Except for the fact that Hager is what forty eight. <laughs> he's not freaking forty eight. He's not been anywhere close to it, close to as long as. Um, he's not a young guy, though. He can't be that young. He's got in his mid forties. He's really new. No, I don't think that. Yeah, he's probably he maybe he's probably thirty. He spelled his name. H i s n a m e. What? I just spelled his name for you. H-I-S-N-A-M-E. Is it Jack Hagar or is it Jack... I'm looking it up right now. What? He's 37. I said he was 37 or 36. He's 37. So, there. Lies. Lies! <laughs> I can't even spell him, so I don't know. Oh, he's from Perry, Oklahoma. He shares a birthday with my brother, actually. Born three years... My brother, but this, on the same date, same day of the year. All right, fine. He's still a kid. He's still a kid, did you say? Yeah, well, technically, he's a good 10 years younger than me. Nine years. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. So if he's getting the, If he... Well, all right, fine. You win this one, you bastard. Um, Wait, Justin's yeah, only fifty. Like, MGF, if, if you if you don't mind moving on to that, you know, you said okay. they swerved us coming in, and, and and I and I'll say I agree with that to a point, but when the match started, I was like, you know what, MGF has to do this. So, I loved his, by the way. You loved what? His Burberry road robe that he wore. Yeah. <laughs> I I love that. I I absolutely love that. And the fact that he had that ring in his shorts the whole time was another thing that just was like, okay, that is one of the greatest heel thing, heel swerves I've ever seen. Yeah, I mean, it's was, it was funny when 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 uh, Tony said, "Well, maybe uh, Wardlow gave it to him." Like, when? When could that have happened? Right. Exactly. Why, why would you have caught it on camera if he, if, he, if he did? No, he had it in his he had it in his tights the entire time. The fact that he had it in his tights the whole time and waited until after he got cut open from a toenail and um, you know got beat down that long before he actually used it is one of the better heel performances ever. Yeah, and, and then instead of just instead of just pinning him after he hit after he hit him with it, then he does that bounce off the ropes and that like flop on top of him. <laughs> yep. Yeah, there's, and what I mean by the best heel performances ever is a lot of times when a heel can take that advantage when they're losing, they take it. So the fact that he had that in his back pocket the entire time and he waited until the absolute last moment, 20, 25 minutes into the match, after he'd gotten beaten pillar to post, he didn't go for that ring right away and get the knockout. They told their story. He legitimately tried to beat Cody by every other means necessary. And then when he couldn't, he reverted back to his like, okay, I got this in my back pocket. To me, that's one of the... Here's the other thing with it is Cody beat himself. You 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 know, the announcers can be all indignant. Oh, MGF cheated. and But Cody was also arrogant. You know, he hit two crossroads. He chose not to go for the cover. He chose to try to punish MGF one more time. 
and he lost because of it. Right. Which is all, which is also exactly. a great heel, which is also a great heel thing because you know the best heels are the ones that believe that they're in the right, and here Cody is is uh, is clearly to me in the wrong because he's too arrogant and he doesn't go for the win when he should have. And we have to talk talk about his tattoo. Oh my god! We just as long just as, as, long as, as long as I don't have to look at it, I can talk about it. It should have been about three inches lower. There's nothing I hate more and, than and a tattoo it, on the face. Two inches further into his body. It, yeah, okay, I'll give it that. It is terrible. I'm not a fan of the neck tattoo in general, but once it starts reaching the face, then I'm like, oh, come on, dude. You can never cover that shit up. Right, exactly. Literally, I don't care. You're a multi-billionaire. I get it. You're living off your... You know, you've got your dad's money and your family money, and then you start. You've got your own company. You fine, I get it. But at some time, you have to look like a professional. And when you have a tattoo on your face, you can't look like a professional. I'm sorry, maybe I'm old school. No, you're right. You know, and the, and the same thing with the neck. I mean, you you've got to wear the turtleneck to cover that shit up. So, and, and right. also, here's the thing: is, is you know, he is one of the biggest fan favorites in the second biggest wrestling company in North America. And that is not a good thing to be a role model to kids about. No. You know, where, where kids, you know, if kids want to emulate him, they're going to find themselves being uh, prejudiced against applying for jobs and moving up in companies and, and all that kind of stuff. It's, it's really a bad look in multiple ways. And Well, and it's, and, and, it's and, fine, you know. And, and just so that just so the audience knows, you know, I, I texted Jeff. I was Jeff. Jeff actually was a little bit ahead of me on the show, but he actually went to bed before I did that the night we were watching it. And uh, I texted him, um, "That better be face paint." And I don't think he realized <laughs> what, I, what I was talking about until he actually watched. I had the show. no clue. <laughs> I had no clue when you said that. I'm like, what? What? I thought. And then when I was – the funniest part is is when I was watching it, the tattoo didn't click. When I was watching it, I was thinking maybe it was the blood on MJF because with his tan, the way that it is, it did not look like natural blood. Right. And I'm still blown away that a unshoed disaster kick can finally cut somebody open like that. That was just a bad bleeding spot. But but it, but you know what was a great spot was when he bit the toe. That was a great spot, and it was nice to hear a "you sick fuck" chant that didn't include Jimmy Havoc <laughs> or or Eddie Edwards or Sammy. You know, or Sammy. Yep. So it was nice to hear the "you sick fuck" chant, but it, for him biting the toe, I literally looked at it and cringed, and then I was like, "Wait a minute." That's actually a really cool spot when you consider the fact that he went through the motions of uh, taking the boot off and all that stuff. You know what I just realized when we were going through that list is Marty Skrull has become mainstream because he, we used to get that chant when he would break the fingers, and now we don't. No, you're right. We don't. I never caught that. Yeah, you're right. Because I remember, cause I remember the, you know, the first... I don't know, year that I saw him doing that move, the crowd would chant, you sick fuck. Speaking of Marty, 
you know, I don't know how much more you have on AEW. We've gone pretty much an hour on it, and I'm I'm we exhausted with it. Tag team title match yet? Oh shit, we haven't. How have we not? Because we were saving the best for last. Well, that's a good point. I danced all the way around it intentionally. All right. Um, here, here's the, here's the part, and now you've you've gone and said the F word already, but but here, I've said it like three times now. Here's the part that I thought was really the R rated for is is you and I talked about this that night, but uh, and that we watched it, but they are never going to be able to hang, hangman page heel. I, I, never no, is a bit never. of exaggeration, but it'll take a lot to do it because here it is, hangman page is in the ring against one of the founders of AEW, one of the most popular wrestlers in the world, the rest of the year in 2018, and the crowd is chanting, not Hangman, not Page, but fuck him up, cowboy, fuck him up. <laughs> that was goddamn amazing. Yeah, that was it. pretty strong. I, I mean, the match, it's, match was just fantastic all the way around, but I mean, that spot to me was as clear of an indication as there is of who the man in that company is right now. Well, there was so much to love about that match, not just the match itself, but all the callbacks, everything that they, they did to make that match, um, make sense. I, they teased so many heel turns on all their parts. The bucks went over and above to play the heels. Mm -hmm. Um, Especially Matt. You know, yeah. And to make Kenny, uh, the end of the match, that there were a couple of drawbacks. Like the fact that Kenny um, forgave them after the way they treated him throughout the match was kind of shocking to me. I did not, you know, I didn't expect that. I, I figured Kenny would have been a little more, I don't know, standoffish maybe. You know, what, what he did do, though, is he wasn't as adamant as he has been about, you know, Paige, um, you know, trying to reconcile. He was just kind of gave like a, like a brief gesture, like, eh, come on. And, and when Paige did, he was just like, ah, whatever. Right. It wasn't, like he was, it wasn't like he was downhearted about it. He was a little bit downhearted about it. I think because he wants, you know, his family back together. But it wasn't like he was down on Paige for not accepting it. I mean, I mean. Even, well, even, no, I'm not. Even, I'm not talking forget, so much about. I'm not talking so much about Paige. I, I know, but I'm. But I'm just. Gonna, I'm just going to say, even if Paige has been willing to forgive any, everything else, I think taking a melt, taking a uh, indie taker on the outside <laughs> from his supposed two, you know, two of his supposed best friends is bullshit and should never be forgiven. Well, it wasn't just that his supposed two best friends and Kenny's supposed two best friends were giving cheap shots throughout the match. They were, uh, you know, like when Omega's standing on the edge on the apron, they're going and knocking him off. There was there was a lot of situations where you're looking at this going, well, friends don't do that to friends. They're supposed to be having this. You know, I could I could have seen it a little bit more out of them if it was only against Paige because they're having issues with Paige. But the fact that it was against Omega mm -hmm. was almost to a point where it was like, okay, how can you forgive these guys? And he kind of showed that at the end of the match where he was shrugging off Nick and shrugging off Matt. And he was like, don't touch me. And then when he finally gave into them, he was telling them, okay, now go and congratulate 
page two and they were ignoring him. It, it to me, it's I'm I'm watching this going. When is Kenny going to wake up? And the two of them are just going to turn on the Bucks and go off and form their own thing. Right now, I think Kenny and Page are the two most popular guys in the ro- on the roster. So they're not turning heel anytime soon, but I could definitely see the Bucks doing it. But in order for the Bucks to do it, they're going to have to break away from Kenny. You know, you know the, the part that was the most striking to me about the Bucks and Kenny, and, and you didn't mention it, so I'm just going to throw it in here, is after they had hit Paige with the indie taker, they, came, they kind of come in and they were kind of like smiling and laughing like, haha, we've got him right where we want him. And you right. know, just kind of like trading shots with, with the with the super kicks and just like acting like Kenny didn't even matter. You know, that, that was just disgusting behavior to me, you know, arrogant, disgusting, um, uh, wasteful, you know, it, it was, it was all, it was all the worst qualities that I think, you know, that Matt, Matt and Nick occasionally have and, um, and throwing it all in there against their supposed best friend. Um, yeah, I, I can totally see where, where Kenny, should not have forgiven him as quickly as he did. Yeah, I would that that to me was just a little bit much that they were able to do that, or that he that Kenny was able to do that. I mean, my only my negatives with the match, and it, it's few and far between, because I I felt like the match itself was great. I loved the callbacks to so many different, like um, Adam Page doing the the fake out and then the um, chicken wing dance into the chicken wing, I thought was great. I loved the um, callback to the Golden Lovers with the Golden uh, uh, golden V-Trigger. And there was a lot, of, and then Page doing the one-winged angel was amazing as well. So the, there was a lot of great about this match. But I felt like there were a couple of missteps. Like it's only been the last couple of weeks where they've been trying to really build the dissension between Kenny and Adam Page. Um, and I felt like they went a little overboard in the beginning when Adam, when Page went to tag in Kenny and then yelled at him to get in the ring and and slapped him on the shoulder instead of taking his hand. That didn't make any sense at all. Um, the I think I think that led from Paige being upset that Kenny wanted him that Kenny, you know, was was insistent about starting the match. You know, I think Paige was just like, yeah, whatever. And then and then when he got in there and he was doing better than Kenny, then I then I think that was that was his point is just, you know, um, you should have let me start the match in the first place, kind of. And that's possible, and maybe I didn't. But, But you know, they settled in after that. Yeah, it just it seemed out of place, and the whole buckshot lariat at the end, the teasing of the lariat on Kenny, um, and then you know holding the ropes open for him and hugging him, that that just seemed like they're trying to plant seeds that aren't really there. It's called foreshadowing and leaving your options open. Ugh. Why bother when you got your two most popular guys on the roster and, and people clearly are ready for the Bucks to turn heel? Mm-hmm. I, that that crowd was against the Bucks from from bell to bell. Well, the Bucks deserved it, right? Oh, they did, and they've they've been playing the heel for the last few weeks. Um, but well, well, I well, think like the Bucks said, are Dynamite, better. Dynamite when when uh, Jeff said. You know, you were a jobber when we found you, Paige. You know, I Nick. think that you know, that you know that was clearly a dick move. And, and I, I think it's funny how, 
I think it's funny how two and a half years in, we're still referring to Nick Jackson as Jeff Hardy. <laughs> did I say Jeff? Yeah. You did. Oops. <laughs> I, I do it too because they're they're so similar. Um, that's funny. But it, it just you're right, and I think maybe that's it. I think the I think at this point they'd be better off turning the Bucks heel, and then maybe someday down the line bringing um page and omega to the box as heels but right now you can't turn page heel you just can't and kenny omega is probably the second most popular guy on the roster you I, cannot I, turn I, these I think, two heel at this point i think hangman page could be the exalted one of the dark order join the inner circle and punt a baby into the crowd and he would still be cheered i think so too i don't think there's the, anything the that cow- could possibly do that would make him a heel right now he he is at that Steve Austin point where Austin spouted the Austin three sixteen says I just whooped your ass. Um, he's at that stage because of the cowboy shit <laughs> promo he gave. There that's, is that's nothing started, at him, but, but but a lot of it is just you know also taking the beer from the crowd and oh yeah going, and yeah. going his own way you know. Um, I, I you know I I think that you and I at the time were kind of like wait what do you and, and in fact, I know we were. We were kind of like, wait, what do you mean he's leaving the elite? And and I think that turned out to be the best thing for him. Well, and we've been saying for months about how it didn't make any sense leaving the elite because he was he you know he's still popular. He you know he still gets his wins. It just his reasoning for leaving the elite didn't make sense. But he's proven throughout time that he doesn't need the elite. Uh, his I, I wouldn't even call his recent tag team with Kenny part of the elite. I would just say that he is just, he's on his own and he's found success on his own. Yep, and the, the Bucks the Bucks keep proving time and time again that they never respected him to begin with. No, the Bucks are, the Bucks are like those parents that never, they won't, they don't, they won't let their kid cut the strings, you know? Right. Whereas, whereas Paige is proving the shine down line sometimes get by as a second chance. Yep. Um, exactly. And the other thing I want to say about this match, just cause, just cause I, I don't want to, well, actually there's a couple of things I want to say about it. Just so I don't stray from it. Number one is it is my favorite tag team match. It's my favorite match of the year overall so far. And it's my favorite tag team match since the golden, um, the, since the, uh, golden lovers against, Kazushiko Okada and Tomohiro Ishii from June of 2018. Um, God, that was a good match. And and when I say it's my favorite match of the year, I mean literally it's my favorite match of the year. Um, you know, you and I tend to, when we do our year-end awards, separate out match of the year and tag match of the year. And I think there's there's good reasons for that. But right now, if we, if we did a combined list, this would be my, my number one match. Um, number two, I'm also going to address kind of the elephant in the room with my, the way I usually view matches and just say that although I usually hate finisher kickouts, I thought, well, I didn't like it. I thought it worked in this match. You know, I thought it made sense that Paige had gotten his ass kicked on the, on the, on the apron and used, and he used, you know, all of his strength he had left basically to stop Nick from hitting the, uh, Meltzer driver and throw him, power bombing him through a table. And then, you know, he, he used the very, the very last tippy top of his strength to do the slingshot into the buckshot lariat, whereas Kenny had been almost knocked out 
and he hit a barely V trigger on Matt. So to me, it made sense that he was they were to kick out of that. But then, you know, the end with Paige hitting back-to-back buckshot lariats on Nick and then Matt in the middle of the ring and then pinning his antagonist for the last six weeks to hold on to the tag team titles was fantastic storytelling. Yeah, I, I wish they would have done it without the finisher kick out because that's become one of my favorite moves in wrestling. Mm-hmm. Um, I also, my negatives are, I, I can't personally, and maybe I'll have to watch it again. I, I don't know, but from first watch, it's not my match of the year. Um, I felt like there were just a few too many confusing negatives that if I want to explain them, I can. But at the same point from first viewing, it's like there's nothing that'll bug me more than a finisher kick out. And there's the the whole dissension between Kenny and Paige, I felt like mis, was misguided. I see where you're coming from. The match, the match was amazing. And if I can explain away those two missteps, then yeah, probably this would be my match of the year too. It's just for me, those two missteps are um, keeping it from that. So is it probably your your third favorite tag match of the year at this point, then? I'd say second. I, I think right, and a lot of it was because of all of the other things that went into it, all the callbacks. I, I One of my favorite moments of wrestling in probably the last five years was watching Adam Page do that, fa- or do that uh, 52 fake out and then the chicken wing dance. That's one of my favorite moments in, in wrestling, period. Um, I, I still think that the DIY versus Mustache Mountain tag match is my favorite tag match. Okay. And, and this is a close second. And, and the only reason it's a close second is because I really didn't like the um, Page Omega foreshadowing or, or dissension, whatever it was. And I really, as much as... The finisher kickout made sense at the time. The fact that, and I remember, I actually had typed you this text, but I didn't think you had watched because you were behind me at that point. You hadn't gotten to a lot of the points, so I didn't want to say it because I didn't want to ruin it. But for me, that came across as more of a super mat, um, like the the tag team Royal Rumble or the tag team Rumble match was, uh, where it's like, oh, here's Matt Jackson again, overcoming all odds and being super mat. Fair enough. I, I can see that. I, to me, it just it just felt like it was the weakest version of the. I don't, I don't remember what they're calling it, but I, the weakest version of their finisher that we've seen so far, and because both guys have been you know completely exhausted and wiped out by that. Um, and, and I mean, there was also the that uh, Paige doing the one winged angel. I thought was amazing. I love the Golden Lovers doing, or I, I'm sorry, uh, the Young Bucks doing the Golden Lovers finisher, and then the way that Kenny kicked out of it at one and would dared them to do it again. Mm-hmm. I, to me, that was like, he was like, Oh hell no, you're going to slap me in the face with my own move. That's not going to happen. The, you know, there was the, that I didn't have an issue with. I, I hate the finisher kick out so much that that brings some, some points down. And I really did not like the dissension between the two, between Kenny and, and page. I get you. So, so you've got, this number two, and then you've got um, number three is that match from New Year's Dash then, right? Yep, yep. Gotcha. Okay. Um, Ring of Honor. 
Loved it. I loved right, the whole well, weekend. Actually, actually, no. One, one more. So, so overall, Revolution out of out of five. What do you got it at? I would say a high three. I'm not going to give it a five because I had two, or or even a four because I had too many missteps. Um, I I absolutely love the tag match, but I felt like there were a few things that kept it down for me. I hated the um, John Moxley reveal at the very end of the match. And I wanted more out of Darby and um, Sammy. Yeah, I've got it probably about three and a half out of five. Okay. So we're about the same. I, I'm three and three quarters, maybe three and a half. Okay. But those those were my biggest my biggest downfalls. I The women's match could have used a little more. I thought, you know, the, the opening match could have used a little more. Um, I Cody... Cody versus MJF was good, but it was so far out of left field that it, 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 and then to see how the audience was just dead after the Bucks, um, against Paige and Omega, that kind of hurt, especially that woman's match. They literally sat on their hands. I don't think, did they make a noise that entire match? I don't think so. You know, and, and that's sad because those two put on a pretty decent match. Uh, so I mean, I give it a solid three and a half, three and three quarters. Okay, works for me. Um, yeah. So Ring of Honor put put together two, as we uh, we mentioned, I think uh, this on Tuesday they they were putting together some back to back nights of solid performances, and and, and you know I, I texted Jeff um, on Friday night because I watched it before he did, um, and I just said you know this has been a thoroughly enjoyable night of pro wrestling. And then we got to the main event, and that, that took it down a little bit. But, I mean, it, it still couldn't ruin the show for me. I thought the show was great. I, I did, too. I, from the start, I, I like the feud that's going on between, um, what are they, LFJ um, and, uh, no, LFI and uh, Villain Enterprises. I like the fact that everything they've done over this weekend has continued that feud. Yeah. Um, I thought the matches were really solid, every single one of them. Uh, Slex in the opening match was was fun, and so was Marty. Um, you know, and then having that tag match in, on night two was great. I just everybody that I saw, I enjoyed, and uh, until of course PCO. I mean, PCO was still a downer for me, but I even the Bubba Ray stuff I enjoyed him against Eli Isom. I thought was entertaining a lot like the flip Gordon from two, three years ago. Is it two years ago or three years ago now? Bully Ray still gets the most heat of anybody in pro wrestling. Yeah. You know, he, he's still the best heel in pro wrestling. He's great. Um, and I, and I love it. You know, I mean, it's, I love the way that they're building up to him leaving the company, but at the same time, it's going to be a sad day when he leaves the company. Yeah, because there's not a better heel on the roster. No. And he, and he, as far as somebody... He's not really a wrestler anymore, and he's probably going to... You know, he's, a, he's got his podcast. I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up, you know, being a WWE trainer or something like that when he leaves. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think that he's great in his moments. We've said it before, there, you know, and we've said it... I said it two weeks ago. He is probably the best heel on the mic there is. And that's, you know, you're looking at MJF, you're looking at Matt Taven, but as far as somebody grabbing an audience and just pissing them off, is there anyone better than Bully Ray? 
Sanders? No. MJF is good, but MJF can't do it the way uh, Bully Ray does. And, and when you think about the fact that he used to be a stuttering guy who didn't say much at all because um, Joel Gertner said everything for the W's most time in an ECW, you know, you have to look back and think, man, how many missed opportunities were there in that spot? Well, and he pissed everybody off then too. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's been pissing people off for almost 20 years, <laughs> 20 plus years. <laughs> kind of like you. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> Although I'm pushing more like 30, but, um, yeah, I mean, he's, he had another, he, uh, not 50 years, 30 years. I've been pissing people off okay. unless you're saying I've been pissing them off since birth. That's a little painful. Not going <laughs> to lie. I wouldn't know, I guess. <laughs> but no, I, I thought bully gave two great heel performances. I felt like, um, Almost every single match, with the exception of uh, whatever that moth thing was, was a good match. And even the PCO matches, I felt like Dragon Lee got a ton out of PCO. And I didn't hate the triple threat as much as I thought I was going to on night two. Mm-hmm. But it was it, it was still PCO, so it was hard to watch. But I didn't hate it. And I thought Silas Young was a, was a complete trooper <laughs> oh both matches yeah, yeah he, both he i mean he sold that he, knee like crazy he might have been the mvp of the two shows to be honest i yeah. i you know and his tag team you know that uh two guys one tag is the way josh woods um i felt like in night one josh woods was better night two i didn't like the fact that he got distracted the way he did that didn't fit his character very well but I just that's a that's a great tag team. I felt like Silas Young might have been the MVP of the two nights because he was he was the highlight of two matches and two very good tag matches. Yep, totally agree. Vincent Vincent was another one that I think was really had strong performances for two straight nights. Um I I felt like both um Gresham and um Lethal, that tag team had two strong performances. Uh, it, this was just, it was, a, it was a great couple of nights of wrestling. You know, you mentioned Vincent and, and, you know, I know you've been down on him turning on the kingdom and turning on Taven and, and I think a lot of it just was just cause you know, they came out of nowhere, but, but, but seeing him with his kind of makes me want to go back and watch the ring of honor television to see what the other guys, you know, right. Exactly. I was thinking about, too. See, you know, see how, see, you know, what the other two members of the stable do, if, if anything, you know, all that kind of stuff. Well, chuckles and and what's her name? Um, yeah, I, I was thinking that too. It'd be I I want to see where they all came from because it just it's it feels like we've missed something, and I hate feeling like we've missed something. But I I was down on the whole turn on the kingdom because it turned, um, it turned Taven face. And I felt like Taven was such a great heel that turning him face was a bad idea. But seeing where the righteous is coming in and everything, I want to see that. Um, I I literally want to see. It's really making me interested in Ring of Honor again this last two nights. And I don't know if that's Marty's booking that's doing it or if they've just kind of turned the corner a little bit. They've got some really good wrestlers. I just felt like they 
mismanaged the top of the card and maybe weren't putting the best matches together they could have. But the tag mat, the tag team division is really solid. I like um, Hendry and Castle together. I like uh, two guys, one tag. I like the Righteous. Um, not sure what to think about Brian Johnson and and PJ Black yet, but I, I you know I, I like pretty much everything else going on in the tag division, and the singles matches were actually really good as well. You know, speaking of the tag team division, <coughs> one team you didn't mention was Jeff Cobb and Dan Moth. And and I know when those guys had a match, I remember I remember it was Final Battle or Death Before Dishonor, but I remember you we watched and we're kind of like, what the hell is that guy? <laughs> and right, now, exactly. You know, he, but he but he, you know they were great as a tag team against the Briscoes, and the and I thought Moth was great the next night against um, Alex, Alex Shelley. Shelley. So, yep, you know, I did too. You know, so I, I think Moth is you know really you know is is kind of like uh, shaking off some of that rust he had from being off for so long. Well, and you and you look at Kenny King now with L what LFJ or LFI whatever you know what are they ignorantly so LFI if you look at him with LFI it, it kind of it's it was a long game that they played with the speaking Spanish and all that stuff mm-hmm. um, that paid off really really well he fits with those two perfectly. And they've kind of, you know, because they were, yeah, they were faces and, and Dragon Lee still kind of is. But at the same point, what Kenny King was doing for months before then fits with that faction perfectly. Absolutely. With the cocky attitude and the, you know, just um, you, you start to see more of it now when you see that they're together with Roosh and the way he's been acting since day one in the company. And then Dragon Lee has that cocky attitude too. It's just those three fit really good together. Well, you know, the other thing is that I think Los, Los Ingonables de Japón and, and even the original Los Ingonables in uh, CMLL work much better as anti-heroes or tweeners than they do as straight heels anyway. So, right. And, and you, know, you know, you and I have been, have been big fans of Kenny King for a long time. Um, yeah. And, but, you know, I, I think that, you know, the kind of the writing was kind of on the wall. that He was never going to be, you know, the, a top guy in Ring of Honor as much as we wanted him to be. So I think, you know, with him being, you know, the, you know, the, the a part of a, a part of a top faction is probably the best we're, we're going to get from him. And so I'm pretty happy that that's the case now. Yeah, I'm going to agree. Yeah, so I, I enjoy that faction. You know, it looks like Lifeblood has been reduced to two members, which is you know, which is cool. You know, they, you know, they're they're that's still a good tag team. I I think Tracy Williams, you know, looks a lot better now that he took that stupid brace he was wearing for years off. Oh, the KT tape. <laughs> no, he used to wear that sling. Remember? Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. He he's 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 not a bad performer. I've just never seen anything overly special that separates him. Um, I hope that someday I do. I think he's better as a tag team, but you're right. Lifeblood went from being this amazing faction that was going to turn around Ring of Honor to two guys. And that's it. Yeah, and since we two guys watching two months ago, um, three new stables have formed. The Righteous, La Facciones and Grenoble, and Mexico Squad. So. Yeah. But they were they'd kind of formed, but they weren't a full stable because it was just um, Bandito and Ray Horos, or no, no, um, Bandito and Flamingo. the other guy, 
Flamita. Flamita, yeah, as a tag team. And then Ray Horace must... Right. So he came over and joined them, too, just to to win the three-man tag. Yeah. I would love to see see Airwolf come in there and join one of those factions. I would love to see Airwolf in, in Ring of Honor. I would love to see Airwolf anywhere again, just so I can see Airwolf again. Right. Yeah. Yeah. These shows, you know, I know we're not going into detail about, you know, a lot of the stuff that happened here, but, oh, you know, one great thing that happened we didn't mention, I don't think, is that, is that PCO is no longer the world champion. Thank God. I, I couldn't, I, it took everything in my power to watch that match. Because after seeing him the night before in a singles match, I just couldn't do it. And, the, and now Roosh is the fifth ever two-time Ring of Honor World Champion. Yeah, I'm okay with that. I I'm okay with that, and I'm okay with the fact that at um, what was the 18th anniversary, we get him against Mark Haskins. Right. And not another PCO match. And you know something you mentioned earlier that we that we didn't that we you t- you touched on and we didn't actually talk about. I can't even remember if you meant if you talked on the show or if it was like right before we went on air but flip gordon oh yeah he he had a hell of a weekend too i he was solid in his performances not just in the ring but um his just character development throughout the entire weekend was nails i really loved what i saw to him yeah you mentioned it but but i had i had i had noticed that same thing watching it is is um, Flip Gordon is so much better performance, you know, year and, you know, I, I loved his performance at, at Final Battle um, and uh, 2018, and I loved his performance at Supercar at uh, G1 Super last year too. But I, but I mean, he's so he's such a different, better, more experienced, better character performer now than he was at that time. He he really grew into his own, I think, as a member of Zone Enterprises. Well, I think he's another one of those guys that just um, flourishes once they get out of that vanilla baby face, baby face mantra that they're in. Because he was stuck in that, and especially in his role against, um, he started to show some of his toughness against Bully Ray, but he was still that baby face, um, you know, vanilla baby face number four. Once he joined Villain Enterprises and came back from his injury, he's been able to actually develop a character, and he is—he's right. a compelling character. He's really good at what he does, and you're starting to see that now. Yeah, you know, I, I think that well, at least I felt, and I think that you were kind of along the same lines as me, is—is is that you know he joined Villain Enterprises, became the mercenary there. And, you know, with the idea that possibly Marty was going to leave and, and Flip would become the leader of that faction. And now Marty's sticking around, and he just keeps getting better and better. And now he's got a world yeah. title shot in his back pocket, which makes a lot more sense now that PCO is no longer the world champion. So. Especially considering um, LFI and uh, um, Villain Enterprises are, are the two factions feuding. Right. So, so now... It was announced on Friday night that PCO's match for Supercard of Honor on April 4th, I believe it is, is against um, Nick Aldis. And Aldis made it clear he wanted it to be for the NWA World Championship. And now we'll probably get Roosh versus um, 
you know, Marty's already involved with Jay White, so we'll probably end up getting um, Cliff Gordon versus Roosh at Supercard of Honor, which is a pretty damn cool main event. Yeah. I uh, The thing that bugs me is, you know, Mar- or, uh, all this actually, was saying... I'm sorry, I'm sorry, don't try to interrupt you with that, but I, but I should say that also leaves open the possibility of Brody King facing uh, Dragon Lee for the, for the television title. Yeah, I'm not mad at that at all. Um, the the thing about all this, though, spouting on Friday night about how he wanted it title for title and then going out and costing um, PCO the title was a little bit frustrating. I think you said that before, before though, uh, PCO kept kicked out of everything and he realized what a force PCO was. So I think, I think you know, it makes sense for him to do what he can to weaken him before their match against each other. I cannot believe that he's a force. That I just can't buy into that. I don't like it. <laughs> but everybody else is selling it, so we have to try to try to buy it as possible. I um, don't speaking, need to. It sucks. Speaking of all this, there was three great moments. Two in, two from all this um, on guest commentary this weekend on Ring of Honor. One of them from Aldous was when PCO went to grab Dragon Lee by the sh- by the his short tights and accidentally gave him a wedgie, and <laughs> and Aldous said, "I used that move in high school." Yeah, that was pretty funny. <laughs> the second was when I think it was PCO again did a, did a suicide dive to the outside, missed and hit his head, and Aldous said, "That's." Um, or Charles Darwin would have been proud of that move. Did you catch, and, and speaking of suicide dives, did you catch when, um, uh, during the Cody match, when JR goes, and of course Cody's going to have to dive now? Yes. Okay, good. I, I was afraid I was the only, I, I was afraid you didn't catch that because we didn't comment on it, but I, I, I love the fact that JR gets so pissed off about the suicide dives. I don't know why, but it makes me happy every time he does. And, you know, there was a point in the AEW show. I'll get back to what the third commentary thing was in a minute because I'm not sure if Jeff caught it or not. Um, but uh, and I and I want to share it to all you for all you guys, even if he did. Um, but, you know, Jim Ross was very good, I thought, on Saturday night. The only the only part that kind of got to me was when he was talking about how uh, saying something about you know, he said there was like a brief moment where. He and Tony were talking about Twitter, and he said, "God forbid you mispronounce somebody's name. Then that, that, means, that means that means you don't love that means you don't you don't love the product as much as I do." Well, I kind of feel the same way, Jim. You know, I feel like you wouldn't be mispronouncing all these guys' names if you were doing your job and paying attention. But you didn't do huh. that on Saturday night, so you did a great job. So. Yeah, I actually I enjoyed their uh, their broadcast on Saturday night. I felt like Excalibur made more mistakes than Jr. and Tony did. I think he did too. Yeah. Um, the third bit of commentary that I love, guest commentary from Ring of Honor, happened on the second night when Beer Bruiser, when Beer City Bruiser, and Roller <laughs> Malonis had joined them for commentary during the the Sashimoth Martina versus uh, Angelina Love match, where there was a beer can sitting in the corner that Moth had brought to the ringside with her. And, oh, he's just gonna take him in. Yeah, I and love Beer that. City Bruiser said, "You got to get if she can hear me." She's got to get to the can. That's where all the power is. And um, Caprice Coleman said, like spinach? And Beer Street Bruiser goes, yeah. What's spinach? 
Yeah, I, I completely missed that because I was focused on them talking about the can as a tag team, as a as, as a tag match. So I completely missed that. But yeah, I, I that's a really that, funny I line. Yeah, it's a really funny line. All right. Yeah, I I I don't know. This was a, a very very solid weekend of wrestling, and I was a little worried about AEW because of the build up show, but it and. It turned out to be a really solid three shows over the weekend, and I'm glad that I caught all three shows. Yeah, and if you haven't seen any of the three of them, I there's I would rec- I would recommend watching all of them and almost everything on all of them. You know, I, you know, I yeah. mean, it, you, I mean, even even the world title match between PCO and Dragon Lee had some great Dragon Lee stuff in it, and that amazing commentary by Nick Aldis. So, yeah, I mean, it's when you look at all three of the, the none of them were. I don't think any of them were must-watch shows. Like, I, I wouldn't give any of them four-star ratings or say any of the matches on any of them were five-star ratings outside of that tag match with the Bucks and, and Omega. And even that, I'm I'm giving it more like a four and three-quarters. Um, but I, I think probably, the whole... I would probably give Moff and... I would say probably the highest rating I've given to any of the matches is probably Moff and... Cobb versus the Briscoes from the Ring of Honor shows, and that's probably yeah. That was a solid. That was a solid show. I I don't know. I, I think you can't. I mean, that tag match with the Bucks and and Omega Page had so many strong moments. That to me, that's definitely four and three quarters. So I think that might be my highest of the weekend, and then probably that tag match with Moff and Cobb versus the Briscoes, probably second. Um, I really loved the uh, the triple threat that opened that Friday night show. With um, Slex, uh, Marty, and Jesus, who's the third guy in that? Um, Bandito. Yeah, I thought that was a solid match. I I loved the tag match um, between uh, Villain Enterprises and uh, Lij or LFJ LFI um, that ended in the brawl. I thought that was a solid match. Um, you know, I, I think there were a lot of solid matches from the weekend, but. I think all in all, this might have been my favorite weekend of wrestling since Wrestle Kingdom. Yeah, it was a fantastic weekend of wrestling. I'm, I'm very happy with it. Um, but that leaves us shy for this week. Um, for those of you who haven't heard, uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling had to postpone um, or maybe cancel. You know, who knows what's going to happen? Um, their New Japan cup matches that were scheduled for, the, for this weekend next. So um, there won't be a New Japan show until at least March 15th due to um, recommendations from, New, from Japan's health department. So we have, new, we have no New Japan to cover this week like we were planning on. So I'm guessing next week's show we're probably going to be doing a preview for Ring of Honor's second biggest show of the year, their anniversary show next Friday. Which, ironically, I'm actually looking forward to again, which I never thought I was going to say after that horrible display of final final battle. Yeah, I'm not going to do the rundown right now because we'll do it on we'll do it on Tuesday with our ne- with our next night. But it'll be an all Ring of Honor night, I think, for us, um, unless we have New Japan Cup matches to count down as well. But um, you know, we, the Ring of Honor show looks um, anniversary show looks great, and we'll also be covering Super Card of Honor for our uh, Patreon show that night as well. Yeah, from 2011, which looks to be another solid show. Um, you know, we're going to be doing that next week. This week we're not because we, we knew it was going to be a, a, 
a long weekend of wrestling and it was and it turned into a longer show than normal so we're not doing our patreon show tonight we'll do that next week and um you can get all of our patreon stuff uh including our archives and all of the specials that we've done for patreon and youtube on patreon.com slash kingdom of honor uh if you go there you're going to find the link to our youtube page make sure that you head there because we do this live twice a week on youtube uh, and then one monthly special as well um on youtube.com uh slash kingdom of honor and of course our our uh twitter which is at Zanman LLP and at Rigi Co-op, and you can get us by using the hashtag DAD and the hashtag KOH. And normally you get us twice a week on LLP Radio. I'm not sure how it's going to work tomorrow night, though. Tomorrow night is my birthday. I'm turning 45 tomorrow. Um, Old and, man. <laughs> and I'm not sure. I'm not sure what time I'm going to be home. So I mean, I'll probably be home in time to do to do our show. But whether I'm home in time to see much if any, much or any of dynamite i have no idea so we'll, we'll have to play by the tomorrow see how it goes so. right so on, go ahead i was gonna say what else is coming up on lords of pain radio.net i'm glad you asked jeff on thursday <laughs> we have ibs lop radio adventure i'm sure we'll be talking more about revolution um probably about some of the wb crap going on um on friday we have we have nwa the legacy series and then again, we'll be back with you next Tuesday talking about more Ring of Honor. That's all we've got. Yes. We'll try to do better next time. This is Shane saying long days, pleasant nights. And Jeff saying goodbye. G1 Climax 27. Goodbye. And good night.